Welcome, everybody, to the third episode of Beyond the Ring. We have a great rundown of some great fights to recap from this past weekend, and we're just going to jump right in. We have so many great things to discuss. Uh, Just to give you a little preview, we're going to revisit from last night the Lomachenko-Nakatani fight in the lightweight division. Great bout. We're also going to revisit the Javante Tank Davis versus Mario Barrios for the WBA Super Lightweight Championship. That was a great fight again last night. Going to go over some fights to come. Obviously, at the end of next month, end of July, is the third fight between Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. Just announced a few days ago will be Anthony Joshua and Alexander Usyk at the end of September. And I'm also going to go into, as I mentioned last week towards the end of the show, some of my opinion on the pound-for-pound rankings according to Ring Magazine. Are they true? Are they not true? Are they on? Or are they not even close? (laughs) So let's just jump right in. Last night was a great fight within lightweight division between number one ranked contender in the lightweight division, Vasily Lomachenko, and Masayoshi Nakatani. Lomachenko was the champion last fall against Teofimo Lopez. Lopez had defeated him, got all the belts. This was Lomachenko's first fight back in the ring since suffering that loss and losing all of his belts. I'm just going to say one thing. I've been watching Lomachenko probably for about three or four years now. He has not lost a step at all. At all, at all, at all. (laughs) Since his last fight before Teofimo Lopez, going into the fight, he actually suffered a setback not long before the fight went on in October and had a little bit of an injury to his shoulder. And not long after he had the fight, he actually had surgery to that very same shoulder. Excuse me. So going into that fight, the first six rounds, they were recapping that fight last night during the, the Nakatani fight. Lomachenko was not really 100%. He did not seem 100%, was not really that dominant self that we are usually accustomed to seeing. And he was not as sharp as he really could have been and should have been. Last night against Nakatani, he was the sharpest I've seen him in probably four Three or, three or four years. He was lights out. He sized up Nakatani, who was about four inches taller than him. Completely sized him up. Knew his plan of attack every single step of the way. Every single move he was countering. So light on his feet. And he defeated him in the ninth round TKO. So, back to Teofimo Lopez for that fight that happened last October. Lopez won the belts. I'm not going to take anything away from him. He came into the fight. He was the better man that night. But I got to tell you, if you're really saying, as a boxing fan, that you don't want a second fight between Lomachenko and Lopez, then you're not watching the same sport I'm watching, or you just hate one of the fighters, (laughs) because there's no way any boxing fan, even just someone who's just a fan of pure athleticism, will not want the second fight, this rematch to happen between the champion, Teofimo Lopez, and Vasily Lomachenko. 
Lomachenko came with a whole arsenal last night against Nakatani. Early in the round, Lomachenko came out guns hot. He is so quick on the balls of his feet. I've never really seen someone really move like him. He's so quick. He's so agile. He's 33 years old, and he moves around like he's 19. He's a tremendous athlete. They had a video I saw on Instagram earlier yesterday just really showing his athleticism. He play, He's like playing hockey. He's really skillful when it comes to soccer. He could do like these really crazy tricks off the top of his knee and these really crazy kicks. He is a really gifted athlete. So just seeing him perform and any athletic setting is just a true treat to watch. Nakatani came in last night with a record of 19-1, and one, ranked num- number 9 in the lightweight division, Lomachenko ranked 1. I said on the podcast last week that, you know, Lomachenko, it's, it was most likely a hype fight, but you never know what could happen. It's still two ranked guys fighting anything can happen. Last night, that was a hype fight like I've never seen before. <laughs> Top rank put Lomachenko out there wanting to showcase him. Okay, let's see what this guy still has. Let's see what kind of, you know, attraction he can bring out in the Virgin Hotel in Las Vegas in the small, like, event room that they had. It wasn't like a large area venue like the MGM. It was completely packed out, completely one-sided, all in favor of Lomachenko. The guy has a humongous following. Last night, Lomachenko really showed not only two things why he's ranked number one in the lightweight division, you have to remember, too, this was a guy who was ranked number one on pound-for-pound rankings. And I got to tell you, if you, right now, if he was ranked in top five on pound-for-pound rankings, I would not disagree with it in the slightest. Canelo is ranked number one right now. I'm not going to take anything away from him. We're going to go into pound-for-pound rankings a little bit later in the show. But Lomachenko came in hot. He was Far more superior, but so much more power over Nakatani. He landed the punch, just to give you just a a stat from last night. He landed 89 to 26 power punches against Nakatani. That's crazy. (laughs) That's almost three times as many punches as his opponent that he landed. And Lomachenko, if you've never seen him box or have seen any of his highlights, once he smells blood in the water... He goes after you. And not only does he go after you, every single every single thing he throws at you, he lands. Every single power punch, body shot, uppercut, jab, he lands everything. It's almost like you're looking at him in a gym hitting a punchy bag. And Nakatani's much taller than him. Not only did he have a four-inch height advantage, he had about a five-and-a-half reach advantage over him, too. So that big body really came to a disadvantage to Nakatani in the end. Nakatani's a decent fighter. I'm not going to take anything away from him. But last night, it kind of looked like a scene from Rocky where Rocky was hitting the meat in the freezer. (laughs) He was completely outmatched. Every single thing that Lomachenko threw at him, he had no answer for. In the third round of the fight, that's when he... I'll give Nakatani a lot of credit because in the third round, he started to get pulverized a lot. And he made it another six rounds, which... Goes to show you, you know, heart of a champion, has a good chin. He took some major blows to the head, some big, big punches, and really was not knocked down until in the later rounds of the fight. And then in the ninth round, you could just see that Nakatani was on, he was on stilts, he was on wobbly legs. The announcers were saying, he's hurt, he's hurt, he's hurt. 
That's when Lomachenko smelled the blood in the water. He smelled the blood in the water, and he pounced on him. He knew exactly what to do. So, Lomachenko has not missed a beat in the slightest. He is number one ranked in the lightweight division, behind the champion, Teofimo Lopez. I want to see a rematch. Fans definitely want to see him rematch. These two unique fighters, you know what? I got to say, and I'll say it now, people could disagree with me, who's ever a Lopez fan. I'm a Lopez fan too. I think he's a great fighter. But I got to tell you, Lomachenko, last October when he lost to Lopez, was not 100%. The guy got surgery days after the fight. The guy had a setback in training camp going into the fight. But he still took the fight. It was all, all set up. He was not KO'd. Lopez was the better man that night. But I gotta tell you, in boxing, there's always rematches. I wasn't 100%. Deontay Wilder in the heavyweight division throws this whole list of excuses. My over-the-top elaborate costume was too heavy for me. So many random excuses people pull out of left field. But you know what? Last night, Lomachenko, he was 100%. I want to see him 100% against Lopez. You have to. Fight fan, fan of any type of athleticism and capability. You want to see two really talented fighters, two really talented athletes who are at the top of their sport. You're going to want to see a rematch between Teofimo Lopez and Vasily Lomachenko. You have to. We must see it. During the fight last night, Teofimo Lopez Sr., who is the current Lopez's father and also his trainer, and kind of looked like his promoter last night, the way he was dressed in this kind of uh, blazer, this jacket. He kind of looked like he, kind of looked like he came off a blackjack table and just had had a couple bad hands and a couple uh, a couple Jack and Cokes and was feeling kind of loose. He was kind of out there. But you know what? He came in. He was kind of mouthing off a bit, saying, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll give you a rematch. We'll give it to you. We have a obligation as Ken Bozes that was supposed to happen a couple weeks ago. We'll give you a rematch, though. I got to tell you, do not mouth off the Lomachenko. Lomachenko to Lopez, compared the two aside from each other, they're both very, very good. Obviously, Lopez is much younger, but you know what? Lomachenko has a lot of experience, and experience under your belt, despite the age difference of of about maybe 10 years or so, Lomachenko's capability is nothing to shy away at. And Lopez's father, you know what? He's It's his son. He's going to support him to any to all ends of the earth. I would too if my son was, was lightweight champion of the world. But you know what? Don't take Lomachenko lightly. Don't. That's why I kind of say that he came in a little, maybe a little tipsy or whatever. He didn't seem like he was really considering what the main task was ahead of him. If he beats Cambosis, if, Lope, if Lopez beats Cambosis, which I fully expect he will, then if that second fight against Lomachenko happens, that rematch, that's going to be a different outcome. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm not saying Lopez won't win, but I don't think it's going to be by unanimous decision. I wouldn't be surprised if it's majority decision. I would not be dis- surprised if it's a split decision draw. I would not. They're both highly skilled fighters at the top of their game and you know what Lopez's dad came in kind of mouthing off I know you gotta boxing's all about mouthing off it's if you're not bragging you're in, a, you're in the wrong sport Floyd Mayweather once said that probably the only thing I would ever agree with him <laughs> but you know what Lopez Lomachenko 
Lopez and his father. Maybe his father, because Lopez is ultimately the one in the ring. He's the one going through the training camp. He's the one who has to take the punches. Don't take Lomachenko lightly. Loma is a threat in the lightweight division. He's a threat in the pound-for-pound -pound rankings. He is a threat in anything he takes on. He is a extremely, extremely gifted athlete who has a very high boxing IQ. And we just saw it last night. He went to the ring against Nakatani. The first couple of rounds, they're kind of feeling each other out, dancing around. About round three, when, Loma, when Lomachenko was really landed those punches, you knew it was over. He had cards stacked against him so high, they were through the roof. He is a far superior fighter, and we saw that last night. And it doesn't matter for size. It does not matter at all. I know Loma is a smaller fighter. He fought a guy almost close to a half a foot taller than him. Almost half a foot taller, a bigger reach. He came in, he completely dismantled him. Nakatani was outmatched, and like I said, he was on stilts. He looked like a guy on those like car dealerships that's just like waving around to those big like inflatable tube people who were all like different colors and stuff. That's what he looked like. He was all over the place at the end, and you know what? I'll give him credit. He didn't call quits. He went in there. He took his beating, and it was it was brutal to watch. I'm not going to say it wasn't, but to wrap things up, Lomachenko, people said he was back. He never left. He was not at the full form back in the fall against Lopez that he was, and you know what? A rematch, that's just going to be more exciting to watch. It's going to be great. It's going to be really exciting. It, they're both going to be at the top of their game. Lopez, hopefully, and I expect, will be coming off a big win over Kimbozis. Lomachenko is going to be fresh. He's going to be all healthy. That fight's going to be really great to watch. I've mentioned this a few times on the previous shows. Heavyweight division is always the most touted in boxing. The lightweight division in boxing right now is the most stacked, most talented, and the most attractive to make so many great fights more than anything that I've ever seen. Heavyweight division is always going to have that flair and that big, big attraction. But the lightweight division right now, if you're not following boxing or if you're looking for good fights to watch, check out the lightweight division. Lomachenko, Teofimo Lopez, Javante Tank Davis, Ryan Garcia. It, the list goes on and on. Devin Haney. There's so many talented fighters. And that was just one last night. Lomachenko, he was a former champion. And I'm going to tell you right now, he's going to be a champion again. I fully fully expect that I mentioned also Javante Davis Javante Davis in the lightweight actually jumped up last night two weight classes was in junior lightweight previously moved up to super lightweight last night to contend for the belt in the for the WBA super lightweight division against Mario Barrios Mario Barrios going to the fight had an undefeated record as well as Javante Davis Bigger height advantage, too. Same, pretty similar to Lomachenko and Nakatani. Difference between Nakatani and Barrios is Barrios not only had a height, bigger height advantage, also being the champion, being undefeated, a little bit more size to him. Nakatani, though it's a different weight class, obviously, he just the way he was built was a little bit broader, a little bit stronger. Javante Davis, for people who are not aware, is a... Floyd Mayweather prodigy. He's under Mayweather Promotions from Baltimore. He's a really big, big name out of the East Coast of Boxing. East Coast of Boxing is big with Tiafima Lopez coming from Brooklyn, but 
those other small towns I don't think often get the recognition. It's pretty cool that he comes from just being like a Yankee fan and everything. Baltimore sports is not often really looked upon. Obviously, the Ravens are cool, but you know what? It's really cool that they're having a big-name athlete really making a name for himself out of, out of a somewhat small town on the East Coast. Javante Davis, for people who have never watched him, hearing his name now for the first time, is undefeated as well. And before last night, he did win last night over Mario Barrios, was a two-division champion. So last night he won the WBA Super Lightweight Championship. Before then, he was currently held the WBA Lightweight Championship. And in addition to that, the WBA Super Featherweight Championship. He's stacking up belts. And last night, he added a third to his collection. He is becoming a Canelo of the lightweight division. <laughs> he is just collecting every single piece of hardware that comes his way. And he ha- when he has an opportunity to obtain it and pounce on it, that's exactly what he's doing. He's a really cool fighter because... Though he's a Mayweather guy, people who fight under Mayweather promotions don't have to adapt his defensive style of fighting. But the really cool thing about Javante Davis is every single fighter has a trademark move, I think. Deontay Wilder has that massive right hand that can just pretty much erase anything. Ryan Garcia in lightweight division as well has these really brutal, fast hands that could just throw these nasty fish hook jabs into the side of you. He fought Luke Campbell. Ryan Garcia fought Luke Campbell back in January. He hit this massive, massive shot to him in the liver. Put Luke Campbell down on all fours. Looks like he suffered a gunshot wound. <laughs> and But every single fighter has their that signature style of fighting, that signature move that has often bailed them out or has sealed victories. Javante Davis has these crazy, nasty uppercuts. They come in like a wrecking ball that just completely just takes out anyone who's in their way. Last night, we saw it. He had some big, big body shots and some pretty effective uppercuts on Barrios. Back on Halloween last year of 2020, he fought Leo Santa Cruz, another big fighter in the lightweight division. Santa Cruz is a good fighter as well. He had fought Carl Frampton, I believe, a couple times. He's a very gifted, very talented fighter. In that fight, I'm sure people saw the Highlights on ESPN, on Instagram, wherever. He had an uppercut on Santa Cruz in the later rounds of the fight. Where he had him in the corner on the ropes. And Davis threw an uppercut that hit him right on like probably the the left side of the chin. Sent him down like a pile of bricks off a high rise. He went completely out cold. Went down nothing. That signature move for Davis is that uppercut. He will get you in. He will really, really pummel you with some pretty significant body shots. And because of his size, he's, he was shorter than Barrios, like Lomachenko was to Nakatani. The size can come as an advantage because you can land more effective uppercuts, not only to the chin, but to the body as well. So you almost have these, like a, like a two-weapon arsenal where you can land a body shot the fighter you're going against is going to bend down, they're wincing in pain, and then you're going to nail them and hopefully finish them with a pretty intense uppercut. Lomachenko has that capability too, but Garcia just has this complete, really crazy power in his punches. Most fighters do, but he just, he kind of reminds me a little bit of a Roberto Duran. Just these massive strong hands, hands of stone, that can just take out a fighter with one punch. And 
that was very, very evident last night over Barrios. So last night as well, in addition to the Lomachenko-Nakatani fight, Javante Tank Davis, Tank is his nickname, defeated Mario Barrios and became a three-division champion. He got the WBA Super Lightweight Championship as well. And like Lomachenko, he used his size to his advantage, and he has a lot of power. He's very, very quick, and that's also in the lightweight division. I just said earlier, and I sound like a broken record, the lightweight division is the premier and the go-to division in boxing right now. Heavyweight division will always be cool. It will always have the main advertisements, but you know what? Lightweight division, if you're not following it, you need to. If you're a casual boxing fan, you will become you will become a boxing aficionado maniac like me if you start watching the lightweight division of boxing. It is premier, the best thing you will ever see. So now the main question comes, who will Javante Davis defend these belts against? The main name that was being thrown around before his fight against Barrios was against Ryan Garcia. Ryan Garcia currently has no belts to my knowledge, but he's a big name and he has a lot of capability. <coughs> Excuse me. A lot of capability like Javante Davis. So, like Lomachenko Lopez, Javante Davis and Ryan Garcia is another big fight to be made. Two guys, both undefeated, both really powerful boxing capability. Javante with his just fists of concrete <laughs> that he just lands on an uppercut. And Ryan Garcia with this really quick left hook that can paralyze you. I want to see that fight. If that fight were to happen, let's just say it happens next weekend. It's not going to happen, obviously. But let's just say it was t- being taken place next weekend. Right now... If you're asking me who would win that fight, that's a big fight to be made. I will pick Javante Davis. I think the height advantage that Garcia would have over him would come back to bite him. Though he is quick, I think once Davis lands those big body punches, he's going to have an opportunity to use that big, big eraser, that big knockout capability with an uppercut to take him out. Ryan Garcia did get knocked down against Luke Campbell back in January. He did defeat Campbell, but he got knocked down. First time in his career. First time Garcia got knocked down in his career was in January against a guy that he did beat. But I got to tell you, Javante Davis over Garcia, I'm taking Davis. I think he has the belts. I think he's a better arsenal of weapons that he can use against him. I'm going to take Davis in that fight if it comes to be. There's a lot of other names in lightweight division too. Obviously, Devin Haney is a champion too. Teofima Lopez. There's... Obviously, Teofimo Lopez is the champion, so Lopez wants to defend against everybody and then move up in the rankings and move up to, obviously, other weight classes, too. You want to get to super lightweight and then end up moving up to the welterweight division as well, see who, 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 who he can conquer there. Obviously, Josh Taylor is a big name who just won over Jose Ramirez. Um... And then possibly down the road, too. We never know if these guys in the lightweight division, if there's one who comes out on top who ends up defeating all the competition, if they move up to welterweight, will they fight a Terrence Bud Crawford, a Errol Spence? There are a lot of... Manny Pacquiao, too. Pacquiao's fighting Spence in August. So there are a lot of questions. Obviously, a lot of fights to be made before the questions are answered. But 
it's an exciting time for boxing, especially in the lightweight division. There's so much talent. There's so much things to be talked about. And I got to tell you, it's really cool to see these fighters who, who got a lot of recognition, I think, through social media. But when they're being put on big pay-per-views and they're always being showcased on ESPN+, there's a lot to see. And I think that's just going to grow more and more. And there's a lot of really cool and talented people to check out. And myself, casual boxing fans, avid boxing fans, this is a great time to be a fan of boxing. So one last thing I just kind of wanted to touch on. And it could be just hype. I did see it not long before I started recording today. I mentioned earlier that Javante is a Mayweather guy. Mayweather came out, and I'm not sure if this is true or if it's social media hype or whatever, that since Davis is under his name, under the Mayweather Promotions and PBC Boxing, that he's not going to fight people outside of PBC Boxing. You know how many big fighters are outside of PBC Boxing? Tons of them. Pretty much all of them. Lopez is outside of it. Josh Taylor's outside of it. All these big, big names. So, I just saw that and like thinking... At first, I just started to read the comments thinking, is this a real post? Is this legit? Or is it some kind of, you know, burner account, whatever it may be? And then I start seeing all these things, like Floyd's just trying to keep the money to himself. He knows that Davis is good, but he's trying to hold him back. I got to tell you, he's kind of doing the same thing. Mayweather is doing the same thing to Davis that he did himself his career. He booked fights within his realm or under who was under the either the promotion or in the whatever that he knew he could win but not saying he never really challenged himself but didn't put him in a position to make the fights happen that the fans really want to see Javante Davis has publicly stated as any big fighter who would say I'm not afraid of a fight I'll fight anybody if an opportunity comes about for Floyd Mayweather not Floyd Mayweather, but for a Mayweather Promotions candidate like Javante Davis to fight a top rank champion in Teofimo Lopez, look, Mayweather's always going to do the fight because if he knows it makes money, it's going to be beneficial to him. But if you're publicly stating this now, either he's this is some sort of a tactic to get other promoters to make moves, or he's going to hold his fighter back. That was one of the comments I saw too. You're holding your fighter back to reaching his full potential. If you just keep on having him dominate and fight boring, lackluster people under that promotional umbrella, then you're not, A, making as much money as you probably could because you're not giving fans the fights that they really want to see, and B, you're holding your fighter back against reaching his full potential and showing people that he can reach that full potential. Floyd's a businessman, and you know what? I have no lack of confidence or disbelief, let me say, that he will not make a decision that will make him an exorbitant amount of money. The guy made $100 million for 24 minutes of work fighting a YouTube personality. So I have no doubt ever that he will not make a fight happen. But just as a side note, what I saw today, I'm just going to say, don't don't hold your fighter back. Don't. And... We'll see if it's true, if this just whispers to make some noise and stir some stir some buzz around, but we'll see what ends up happening. So 
couple fights that I want to preview right before we wrap up with my opinion of the pound for pound rankings. Just announced a few days ago the heavyweight championship of the world, other belts, because we're thinking Tyson Fury's fighting Deontay Wilder. What do you mean? Later on this year, in September, September 25th, 2021, Anthony Joshua, the champion of numerous belts in the heavyweight division, will be squaring off against Alexander Usyk in that same division. Usyk is a very talented fighter as well, was previously a cruiserweight, but will be moving up to heavyweight to contend for the championships. That's a big fight as well. AJ, Anthony Joshua, should not take him lightly. Usyk has a lot of capability. People believed originally after Joshua had beat Andy Ruiz to reacquire the heavyweight championship belts that Alexander Usyk would have been the best contender to him to go against. Obviously, the pandemic happened, and that was before the while. It was actually right after... Uh, the Wilder Fury, when that fight was supposed to happen against Usyk, or hopefully against Usyk, in the spring, March, or, or April of 2020, and obviously the pandemic made a lot of decisions that we were not pleased with, and Joshua went on in December of last year to go against uh, Kubrat Pulev. So Joshua, obviously still champion, defeated Pulev, and his next fight will be against... Alexander Usyk. <clears throat> Usyk, a very talented fighter as well. He fought last Halloween, the same exact night as Javante Davis fought uh, Leo Santa Cruz against Usyk, squared off against Derek Chisora. Derek Chisora is a very skilled heavyweight, has a lot of power, a very big guy. He has a history in the heavyweight division. He lost to Tyson Fury at one time, but a lot of power, a big fight to be made. Usyk took the fight the distance, ended up winning. Chisora, with his power and more size, really needed to square off business in the earlier rounds. Usyk did win the fight. I have to say, though, in my opinion, was not as impressive as he really should have been, I think, with his more, uh, I would say, more agile footwork and better endurance and cardio. Should have really tired out Chisora to maybe even secure it. A TKO at some point, but end of the day, it's all about getting to win. Usyk was victorious and will be squaring off against Anthony Joshua for the heavyweight championships in September. So, if Tyson Fury, another heavyweight fight, <laughs> faces off or wins, excuse me, against Deontay Wilder for the second time, he'll win the trilogy against two out of three. And will fight the winner, presumably, and I'm sure he would like to fight Anthony Joshua sometime next year, probably. Let's see if Joshua's promoter, Eddie Hearn, and Tyson Fury's promoter, Frank Warren, can finally agree on something. They apparently did, but Wilder had different intentions with securing the trilogy, which I get. Because it's it's money, it's a payday, and it's an opportunity to get the belts back for more money. Bigger paydays, bigger fights. It's all about money and opportunity to stay in the rankings and the spotlight as long as you can. So if that fight comes to be, if Anthony Joshua does defeat Alexander Usyk and Tyson Fury does defeat uh, Tyson Fury does defeat Deontay Wilder for a second time at the end of July, about a month away, then 
a big fight that will ultimately happen will be against Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury, for the heavyweight championship of the world. If that comes to be, we'll see what happens. That's down the road, much, much further away. So, just another little fight prediction. I did one, a hypothetical fight, if earlier, if for Lomachenko and for Tiafimo Lopez. I just did one also today for Javante Davis and Ryan Garcia. I will do one as well for a few months down the road, and I'll preview this fight as it comes closer between Anthony Joshua and Alexander Usyk. I will say Joshua. I will take the champion. I think Usyk is a very good fighter. I think Joshua has a lot more experience for big, big heavyweight fights, obviously with um, going off against uh, Klitschko, though he was a little bit later in his career. Had fought... Uh, Dillian White at one time too another big name in the heavyweight division better fighter better endurance a little more power I would say than Alexander Usyk Usyk is a good fighter too but not naturally a heavyweight was originally a cruiserweight though he had to go up I think Josh was going to have the edge over him a little bit better of a boxing IQ but anything can always happen but I will take Joshua in that fight in September so to wrap things up today I just want to go into the pound for pound ratings I'm going to break it up because there are 10 in the pound for pound ratings I will do 5 this week and I will do 5 next week break them apart and we will go into them uh, a little step, a little bit step by step but not to waste, waste too much time so number 1 on the pound for pound rankings is Canelo Alvarez the current ring magazine champion WBA WBC and WBO in the middleweight division i am not going to contest that in the slightest canelo alvarez has beaten every single person that has been placed in front of him with the exception of floyd mayweather different time different points in their career however though in the last three four five years canelo alvarez has been the most dangerous man inside the boxing ring if a fight for him to be completely universal unified whatever the best in the middleweight division if a fight between canelo alvarez and caleb plant comes to be i am taking canelo alvarez that number one ranking i will not disagree with in the slightest he is at the top of his game the most dangerous man inside a boxing ring I don't disagree. Number two on the fight. I had discussed in the pound for pound rankings, excuse me. I had discussed him last week on the show, Naoa Inoue in the Bantamweight division. Nicknamed the Monster. I nicknamed him the Cobra. Has a lot, he's very, very sleek in the ring, follows his opponents around, and just strikes like a Cobra. He is the current ring, IBF, and WBA champion in the Bantamweight division. Perfect record of 21 and 0, 18 knockouts. Number two on the list, though. I will disagree. I think he's a very good fighter. I believe absolutely that he should be included in the pound-for-pound rankings. But you know what? For him to be ranked two, I don't know. Maybe I could be off. Maybe he hasn't had enough U.S. exposure. He's had a majority of his fights in Japan. But I got to tell you, for everything everything that I've seen, I go by, in my opinion, pound-for-pound rankings. Not only just dominance, but... If you're squared off against a big, big-time opponent within your division, or if you move up weight classes, which Canelo has done, I'm not saying in your way can or hasn't or won't, but I'm gonna say for him to be ranked two, that's a little bit high for me, a little bit high. I think if he gets 
into other weight classes and gets more belts under his title. And obviously the difference in fights, Canelo has 56 fights opposed to, excuse me, uh, 59 fights compared to 21 that Inoue has had. It's not really based on experience in fights, but Canelo has fought big names as has Inoue, but I gotta tell you, I'm not saying Inoue should be ranked one, but for him to be ranked two, that's a little bit high for me. I would say probably at least four... I wouldn't, maybe five. I wouldn't put him on the back half of the 10, but a little bit high for me. Very talented fighter. I'm looking forward to being proved wrong. I want to see him earn that number two spot. And for some reason, if Canelo were to call a quits or whatever may happen, anyway, to take that number two spot. So the next one is Terrence Bud Crawford of the welterweight division. Kind of up in the year because... The two kings of the of the welterweight division are Terence Terence Bud Crawford and Errol Spence. Errol Spence I will discuss next week because he is on the he's on the back half. He is ranked number six in the pound for pound rankings, opposed to Terence Crawford. I think they're kind of interchangeable. I actually would maybe put them right next to each other, maybe like four or five or whatever it may be. So anyway, it was two. I don't really agree with that. Number two on the rankings, I would actually put. Teofimo Lopez, current lightweight champion, has all the belts, very, very talented, very successful this young in his career. I would put Lopez, too, over Inoue. But Lopez is ranked 7. We're going to go into him a little bit more next week when we go into the back half of the pound-for-pound rankings. But for Crawford to be ranked 3, that's kind of interchangeable with Errol Spence. That could kind of go either way. I would put Canelo 2. Canelo 1, obviously. Two, I would put Errol, uh, Teofimo Lopez. And three, it's kind of infant because the fight just happened last night. But just knowing what he's capable of doing, I would put Lomachenko three. He's not the champion. Lopez is the champion. I'm going to give that to him. Obviously, Lomachenko has lost his belts recently. But last night was just a hype fight or just a regular fight in the lightweight division. So I'm going to take... I would put Lomachenko 3. Lomachenko's ranked 9. We're going to get into him next week. Next week, the rankings probably will change based on his dominant win over Nakatani. But we'll go into that. So those are the top 3. So Terrence Bud Crawford is ranked 3. I would put Lomachenko 3. Obviously, things have changed. Number 4 is Alexander Usyk. Usyk, as I mentioned, is fighting Joshua in September of this year in the heavyweight division. I don't agree with that in the slightest. <laughs> I really, really don't. He's a dangerous man in the ring. He has a lot of power. He's a very skilled boxer. But you know what? For him to be ranked four before really getting that big, big heavyweight championship like a Tyson Fury as Andrew Ruiz has had, as Deontay Wilder has currently previously had, or a Joshua too. I'm surprised Joshua's not ranked that high. I'm re- I really, really am. So, Joshua is actually not even ranked on the pound-for-pound rankings. Now, rankings are all based on a variety of things, but for him not to be ranked Anthony Joshua or even Tyson Fury, I would give that spot to them. I really, really would. And number five on the rankings is current junior welterweight champion Josh Taylor. He had fought Ramirez about, uh, about a little over a month ago at the end of May. He is very talented. He is the current... Uh, junior welterweight ring, IBF, WBA, WBC, WBO champion. Very talented fighter. I would include him in the pound-for-pound rankings in the top 10. To be ranked 5, 
I have to say I would give that to either Errol Spence or Terrence Bud Crawford. It could kind of go either way. They're both very talented fighters for the welterweight division. I think they kind of earn it a little bit more than Taylor. Taylor's a very good fighter as well. I think with the more fights and the more experience, Crawford or Spence would earn that ranking a little bit higher than Josh Taylor, being also a little bit higher in the weight class. They're in the welterweight division, not a junior welterweight. So I would kind of go five. I would go either Terrence Bud Crawford or Errol Spence. So it could go either way, absolutely. But you know what? Those are my rankings. So just to give you a rundown, it's kind of a lot of information to kind of take in. So the rankings currently on pound for pound are Canel Alvarez 1, Naoa Inoue 2, Terrence Crawford 3, Alexander Usyk 4, and Josh Taylor 5. My rankings, if you were to ask me, would be Canelo 1. He deserves all the praise he gets. The baddest man in the boxing ring. 2. I would put Teofimo Lopez of lightweight division over Inoue. 3. Big jump would be Vasily Lomachenko, who's ranked 9, would, would jump 6 spots to number 3. Just on my opinion and what I know he's capable of doing. 4 is Alexander Usyk. I would replace him with either Tyson Fury or Anthony Joshua. Preferably Fury. He doesn't have the loss on his record and is the current champion. And 5 is Josh Taylor in the junior welterweight division. I would replace him with either Errol Spence or Terrence Crawford. If you're asking me if I had to pick one, I'm going to pick Terrence Crawford. He's been on the list a little bit longer than Errol Spence. I think he's a little more of a journeyman, has about another 10 fights under his belt than Errol Spence. Though Spence has two belts compared to Crawford just having one, I'm going to take Crawford 5 if I just had to pick one. And I've seen more of Crawford's fights over Errol Spence, which is why I will pick that. But that's kind of just the way I would just do it. If I see fighters more, I see their fighting style. So if I see their fighting style and I get to see more of their fights, their capabilities, what they what they can do, what they can't do in the ring, that's how I'm going to make that my decision based on what I see and what I don't see. So there you have it, the top five for the pound-for-pound pound rankings according to Ring Magazine, what they are, what I think they should be. So we'll see next week if they are the same. I'm sure Lomachenko will definitely, hopefully, go up whenever the rankings are updated based on his dominant performance last night over Nakata over uh, Masayoshi Nakatani. So we're going to wrap things up here. Next week on the show, we are going to preview. We're going to be getting closer. We'll be within side the month for Wilder Theory 3. So I'm going to go into a deep analysis of the previous two fights, what I expect from the third. I'm sure there will be more hype and more press regarding that fight. In August, we have a massive fight in the welterweight division between Errol Spence Jr. and Manny Pacquiao, Pac-Man. That's a big fight as well. Pacquiao, though, is a journeyman, significantly older than Errol Spence. I'm expecting that to be a good fight, too. So we're going to break that down as well, and we are going to break down what I think the fight's going to turn out to be go over the records for Errol Spence and Manny Pacquiao so big fights to preview and many many more upcoming this summer which I will go into depth later on and the second half of the pound for pound rankings number six through ten and so much more stuff that I'm sure will come up over news over the next week and I cannot wait to share and go into that this is beyond the ring